Well, good morning. Good to see you this morning. We've looked forward to being back again this year. You're very generous uh, to have us back. It's been a privilege. We were blessed so to be here last year and, and to be back. And Brother Charles, thank you for the music. And your sweet wife, Billy's with you this time. And we're so grateful to have her here. And uh, just good to see you all again. Now, come back tonight. And uh, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, it'll be over with before you know it. And we want to see what God has to say to us. Now, I'm going to need some help in this sermon this morning. I need your participation. I need, I need, I need you to play uh, the game that we used to play as kids. What if? What if? What if this happened? What if that happened? And now, this is still January, but we've all had a birthday in the last year. Now, here's the what if I want to ask your help on. What if God asked you to give him a reason in 25 words or less to give you another year? 25 words or less. Could you give God a reason to give you another year? Now, you think about that. Because uh, at least one time in Scripture, that happened. It's an Old Testament story. Isaiah chapter 38 is the passage that we will read uh, this morning. But it's also found in uh, Chronicles and 2 Kings uh, about King Hezekiah. Now, King Hezekiah was the king of the nation, and, and things were really going well. It had been a great year. They had been attacked. The people had been attacked by Assyria, and a general by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, he had threatened to wipe them out and threatened all kinds of things, sent emissaries into the city to tell the people, don't pay any attention to what that prophet Isaiah is going to tell you. Uh, you, you need to lay down your, your, your arms and surrender, and we're coming, and we're going to take charge. Well, Hezekiah didn't listen to the false voices. He listened to, to Isaiah, and Isaiah said, don't worry. God says, I've got it. I'll take care of it. And uh, so God did. You know, God can do miraculous things, always does. He, he sent one angel into Nebuchadnezzar's army one night, and the next morning, 185,000 Assyrian soldiers woke up dead. Hey, one angel. I mean, now then, Nebuchadnezzar is gone. In fact, he goes back home, and his own family assassinates him. So this is, this is the end of Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, God took care of it with that one angel. And so, boy, things were really good. Now then, the, the, the future looks bright. There's peace in the land. It's prosperity. Business is good. The world is good. Everything is right. Boy, it was a great day. And then the prophet Isaiah walked into that scene and uh, had a message for Hezekiah. Now, you have to get the picture. Everything's great. Nebuchadnezzar's gone. Alliances are good. Peace is in the land. I mean, it is a good time to be there with Hezekiah. But listen to verse 1 in 
uh, verse, uh, ch chapter 38, in those days, in those days now, the days I just told you about, in those days when everything was good, the enemy was gone, prosperity was in place, unity was in the nation, it was a good time. In those days, Hezekiah became terminally ill. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, came and said to him, this is what the Lord says, set your house in order, you're about to die. And then just to make sure that he got the message, uh, Isaiah went on to say, you will not recover. Uh, he, he made it very clear, this, this is not a good thing. You are going to die. And then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, and this is what he said, 21 words. Please, Lord, remember how I have walked before you faithfully and wholeheartedly and have done what pleases you. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, go tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord God of your ancestor David says, I've heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. Look, I'm going to add 15 years to your life and I will rescue you in the city from the grasp of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city. This is the sign to you from the Lord that he will deliver, uh, that he will do what he has promised. I'm going to make the sun's shadow. Talk, now, I, I have to pause just to get, get that sun's shadow. He was in a room, and the outside was a stairwell to the, second, to the roof up, upstairs, and it was a sundial. As the sun went down, the shadow went down on those steps, and so you could tell what time it was before the shadow was on the step. And so, Second uh, Kings goes in a little bit more detail when it says that uh, uh, when uh, Isaiah gives him this message, uh, he said, well, how will I know this is true? How will I know this is going to happen? What is the sign? So he asked for a sign. Well, this was the sign that, uh, that God gave him. In fact, he asked him, he said, what would you like the Lord to do? Would you like for the, him to have the sun go up or go down? You would time to go back or move forward? And uh, <laughs> I, I imagine... Uh, Hezekiah thought, well, look, it's, it's natural for it to go down, so let's, let's make it go back up. And so that's where we are. I'm going to make the sun's shadow that goes down on the stairway of Ahaz to go back 10 steps. So the sun's shadow went back the 10 steps it had just descended. Well, what you're seeing there is Hezekiah is giving God a reason to let him have some more time. Now, he's not talking about his salvation. He's talking about more seconds in the minute, and more minutes in the hour, more hours in the day, more, more days on the calendar. He's asking for more time. And, uh, and, and so God responded uh, to, to him in a remarkable way. Now, at this point, Hezekiah had been king 15, uh, 14 years. He ruled for 29 years, so he's going to add 15 years to his life and to his kingship. And we need to pay attention because there is a message to all of us that comes at the end of, of this time. And so we want to look at that. Uh, but uh, Hezekiah had rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar, against all of the advice of, the, of everybody around him, but he believed God, he believed the prophet, and, uh, and so he responded uh, in a very positive way. In 2 Kings 18, uh, the Bible tells us Hezekiah trusted in the Lord God of Israel 
Not one of the kings of Judah was like him, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord, and he did not turn from following him, but kept the commandments the Lord had commanded Moses. I mean, this is the highest recommendation that you could get. Nobody ever did it better than Hezekiah, that's what God said. Not before him or after him. I mean, this is a high mark in the life of the nation. It is a high mark in the, in the kings. In fact, it's a refreshing pause uh, in the kings of Israel and Judah. There just weren't very many good kings. But here was a, the best king. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And uh, Hezekiah listened to Isaiah and uh, asked God for deliverance, and God gave him a remarkable victory. Now, let's just look at that passage, see how it applies to it. First thing we see in this passage is human mortality. Human mortality. You know, the Old Testament's filled with a lot of people who lived a lot of years. Methuselah lived 969 years, but the scripture says, and he died, and he died. Now listen carefully. One out of one people die. There won't be an exception to that. One of my dearest friends, one year ago, that you prayed for, John Powers, we prayed for him when we were here last year, went through months and months of treatment and uh, hard, hard chemo and radiation. And on a Friday, a couple of months ago, his doctors in Nashville, Tennessee, said, man, everything is great. Your, your numbers are normal. Uh, we, we don't understand it. We've never seen anybody do anything like this. Friday, on Monday, all of his numbers reversed and were back to their original bad setting one year ago. I preached his funeral about six weeks ago. Doesn't matter how long we may last, mortality is a reality. Deuteronomy 32, 29 is an interesting verse because it, 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 it's done a different way. And by the way, you, uh, when I was at Lifeway, we did a Bible translation called Christian Standard Bible. And I'd always preach King James Bible. And uh, I woke up one day and I said, well, you know, if I'm going to be president of this corporation that has a Bible, I guess I ought to preach out of our Bible. So I started preaching out of the Christian Standard and was amazed to see that you have the Christian standard in the, pulp, in the back of the pew in front of you. And uh, so it's treated different ways. The, the Christian standard says in Deuteronomy 32, 29, says, oh, that they were wise, speaking of Israel, that they understood their fate. Uh, other translations may say last days. Well, let me just make sure we understand. what. What Moses was saying in Deuteronomy was, oh, that you were wise and you understood your death. Now you say, preacher, you're getting kind of morbid today. No, if you live your life understanding the brevity of your life and the inevitability of your surviving this life, you'd do a whole lot better while you lived. You would, be, you would live with, with eternity in sight. You wouldn't live feeling like this world is everything. Uh, there's more to come. 
But life, we are mortal. We are mortal. Uh, one day, chosen by God, uh, we will face death. I may die in an accident, but I will never die accidentally. Our days are in the hands of the Lord. Every one of us can know that this day God is with us, and whatever we face, whatever we, uh, challenges we have, whatever uh, obstacles are placed in our way, whatever happens this day, God is with us every step of the way. Amen. And I've heard see, people would have terrible things happen, and they say, well, I, I've heard people say, well, I just couldn't do that. No, you probably couldn't until you had to. But Hebrews 4.16 says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace so that we may receive grace uh, in time of need is the way most translations. It literally means in the nick of time. You get God's grace when you need it. God's grace is not something for you to enjoy. It is something for you to employ. It is something for you to do, something for you to have, and it never comes unless you need it. So we, we're facing a life that, that there is no exit Every one of us is going to face the point of death, human mortality. Now Hezekiah was a good king. Great things he had done. He had torn down the pagan shrines that his father had built. He had returned the worship of, uh, of, uh, of Jehovah to Jerusalem. And uh, had done, he'd done everything that pleased God. He was an unusual individual. He led a moral and spiritual uh, revolution in Judah. He had secured the defense of the nation, and, and uh, he had, uh, had, had seen the, uh, the unity of the people and the prosperity and the peace that, evaded, uh, that had invaded the land. It all came at the hand of Hezekiah. And then there was a sudden intervention. The intervention first was by God when the angel came and killed 185,000 of the soldiers of Assyria, got rid of Sennacherib. But in that subsequent time of, of, of wonderful feeling of success and everything is good, the stern figure of Isaiah appeared at the king's door. He, he came to tell him that he was going to die. Nobody else would tell him. His family wouldn't tell him. All of the people that attended the king wouldn't tell him. Preacher had to tell him. Isaiah came, and Isaiah uh, said, you're going to die. He apparently had uh, some plague like the Ebola virus, uh, which always took life from individuals by the fifth day. Uh, he, he was told... Uh, this by Isaiah, the man of God, says, you are about to die and you're not going to survive. Uh, just as sure as uh, Belshazzar saw the handwriting on the wall, Hezekiah knew that the jig was up. He was through. He was going to be gone. Uh, no hope. Essentially what he said was, put your affairs, affairs in order. Put your affairs in order because you're going to die. He told Hezekiah the truth. Nobody else would. Now this morning, I need to tell you the truth. You are closer to an appointment with God than you know. Not a one of us has any, any idea of how long that will be. This may be the last sermon I preach. 
Might be the last song that you sang, Charles. We, we don't know. Uh, but we do know this, that we may have escaped many challenges in our lives and, and been through many harrowing and dangerous experiences, but the day will come when we're going to hear the call of God and uh, we're going to go to be with Him. All of us. Uh, my father used to tell me that the opportunity of a lifetime you must be grasped during the lifetime of the opportunity. Uh, you're not going to wait till the last days and get saved. You might plan to do that. You know, I'll get saved before I die. You don't know that. You don't know that you would do that. Uh, you uh, only have now. If there's someone you need to uh, be restored with, if you have a breach in fellowship, then you better take care of it now. You don't have tomorrow. Uh, if tomorrow comes, it'll be called now. Uh, it, it's, it, we, don't, we don't know. We do know it's going to happen. And so we are faced with the truth of, of our mortality, of our mortality, human mortality. There's one moment coming that you will not escape. There's one appointment that you will meet that you will not miss. The opportunity that is before you is to respond to God. And if God were to ask you, 25 words or less, tell me why I should give you another year. You better have an answer, because it could happen quickly. Second thing we see is, is that human spirituality is possible. Uh, Hezekiah, the, the room that Hezekiah was in, uh, historians tell us, we look at it and study the situation, would be a room with a long couch under a window that looked out upon a stairway. And uh, that stairway was the time, uh, that was the clock. Uh, you uh, you uh, have to... Uh, know that we're all bound by time, and we, uh, we have clocks. They didn't have a clock back then. They just had a, a staircase in the shadow of the building on that staircase told what time it was. And, uh, as, and so uh, he, he, he went and laying on that couch, he wept bitterly. And, and, and when he was healthy, there were several prayers of Hezekiah's that in, in the Bible. Uh, when he was healthy and well and, and everything was going good, he prayed a hundred words. But in this prayer, he only prayed 21 words. 21 words that he prayed that got the heart of God. Short prayer. What was it about that prayer that made God extend his life? By the way, uh, it's a prayer that will certainly, uh, should certainly be prayed. We ought to pray for God to extend our lives. We ought to ask God for His grace. Every moment we live is a, is a grace gift. And uh, uh, my father died when he was 53 years of age, and I thought he was an old man. I've lived 35 years longer than he did. Uh, but it, it, it's just a moment. We're all facing the same challenges. And uh, 
Hezekiah did not have any knowledge of God's uh, uh, fulfillment through Jesus Christ. He didn't have a Bible. Uh, he didn't, uh, uh, didn't know, but he, was, he didn't know despair. He wasn't discouraged. Uh, he immediately gave God reasons for keeping him alive. It is a remarkable prayer. 21 words, he asked God to give him a future. Now, could we do that? Could you give God a good reason to keep you alive? Well, here's what his prayer included. He asked God to give him more time on the basement of his faithfulness, Hezekiah's faithfulness, and Constantine in the past. He said, I have walked before you faithfully. You know, some, there's a word right at the beginning of this passage when he started praying. He said, Lord, remember. I think many of us would probably say, Lord, would you please not remember some things? Don't remember this, this, this. No. But he said, Lord, remember. Now, he's talking to God and knows everything. Now, you know, people who know us might give a, a recommendation for us. They know what we, they may see what we do. They know we came to church today. They know we, how we participated in things. of the. Of the they, they know a lot about us, but only God knows us. Only God really knows us. And so Hezekiah said, Lord, on the basis of what you remember about me, I want to remind you that I have walked before you faithfully. Could you say that to the Lord? I have walked before you faithfully. And I have done it wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Uh, the word, the Hebrew word translated wholeheartedly uh, it means a, a, a singular a focused heart, a pure heart. It indicates a uh, devotion that is without essential defect. It is sound and it is sincere. Lord, you know this is true. I have served you faithfully and walked before you wholeheartedly. Then... Hezekiah appealed to the side, not to the side of man, but to the, to the penetrating vision of God. When he said, and I've done what is right in your sight. Now, he's appealing to the one who knows everything. Lord, you know everything. You know that I have done everything according to your desires. I have pleased you. I've done what is good in your sight. That's a, that's a mouthful. It's not how, what we've done. He's not talking about any actions on our part. He is saying with the whole heart, I have faithfully walked before you sincerely uh, with a love and a devotion that is not diminished, that is not, uh, con uh, is not diluted in any way. I've walked before you, and uh, in, in, in I have pleased you. So the, the possibility for us having a spiritual life is there because that's what Hezekiah is talking about. Then he said that uh, uh, the, 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 we, we see a divine activity, that God has actually doing something. And uh, God responded to Hezekiah's prayer. And, and uh, in fact, the, the, the king's and chronicle translation or, or versions of the, what is happening here in Isaiah 38, 
talks about the fact that before he could even get out of the courtyard of, of the king's palace, he told Isaiah, said, go back, tell him I've heard his prayers, and I will respond to his prayers. God stepped in. God gave him 15 more years. So the answer that God may give to our lives when we come to him with a prayer like this, it, it could happen quickly. Could happen quickly. Uh, Isaiah, though, uh, the truth is, if, if Hezekiah had not prayed as he did, he would have died. But he listened to Isaiah, and he poured out his heart to God, and God heard his prayer, and he responded because God responded because he was approached and prayed to in, a, in 21 words. Amazing. 21 simple words. And God stepped in. He may do it quickly. He may do it quickly. Here his, it was an immediate response. Uh, this, this contradicts the idea that when your time's up, it's up. You know, that's it. Uh, love to preach in prisons, and we had a prison ministry at Ulysses when I was there. And I remember uh, going to many times to the prisons, but there was one song that the prisoners loved to sing. You talk about lighting them up. I mean, those prisoners in there, some of them in there for life, uh, they love to sing a song talking about when Jesus comes, and he said, and the title of the song is, uh, 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 just, tell, uh, just Call Me Gone. <laughs> just Call Me Gone. That time's going to come. Just call me gone. We're going to have that time. But God is the one who determines that. God is the one who lets us know when that is going to be. And he, Hezekiah is, is, is asking God to remember how he has served him over the years. And he turned to the one who knows everything about him, and he appealed to God on the basis of what God knew. Truthfully, Charles has already said it, a lot of things are in the hearts of, of all of us that we'd like to forget. We certainly don't want God remembering. Uh, but God listened and God responded because God is a God of grace. It doesn't matter what your past is like. You're not saved because you cleaned up your past. A lot of people say, well, when I get, I'm going to get, get better, and then I'll come to God. No, no. God, you're not saved because of your goodness. You're saved because of your badness. If you don't recognize your sin, if you don't confess your sin, repent your sin, you can't be saved. God's interested in your badness because he's already taken care of that. Jesus died on the cross. And, and your past is of no consequence because it is covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. So we don't need to remember it, and we don't need to remind God of it. We need to thank God, which is what uh, Hezekiah is doing. Thank God that, that he doesn't remember the things that, uh, that we would fear would maybe come to light. It's not going to happen. God stepped in. The answer came quickly. And here we learn that it's right for us to pray for God to extend more time on earth. 
Think of how many people might have lived longer had they prayed this prayer. I mean, this was hopeless. He was, he, his death certificate had been signed, it seemed. But he prayed and asked God for more time. Now, I, I don't understand all the mysteries of God, and it, it certainly don't ever anticipate. We will not know everything until we get to heaven. Then we'll know as we're known, so he knows us thoroughly, and that day when we're with him, we'll know thoroughly and completely. Sometimes people say, well, we know each other in heaven. And the answer is simple. Would we, know, would, we, would we be dumber there than we are here? Don't think so. Now, of course we'll know each other. Uh, they, they, we, we have a great future to look forward to, but God has given us an example where it is appropriate for us to pray for more time. So we ought to do that. I've prayed for a lot of people. I've prayed a lot of, uh, a lot of people be healed. I was playing golf one day, and my son Bailey was playing with me, and he's a home builder, and he built a house for a family that lived on, the, on one of the greens in the golf course. And uh, they knew we were coming. He had talked to them, and so they, they met us at the fence. And uh, over that fence, she told me that she had terminal cancer, asked me to pray for her. I prayed a simple prayer over that fence. That's been 30 years ago. Got a note from her with a Christmas card this year. God heard the prayer. Oh, I prayed for a lot of people that died too. You see, the things of death, according to the psalmist, they belong to God. They don't belong to us. Uh, this, this is why any idea of uh, assisted suicide and, all, you know, we can come up with a lot of things. We, we're not in charge of death. God's in charge of it. And uh, it's right for us to ask him to extend the time. Hezekiah did. God responded. And, and how, did, how did he do it? Well, God could do it any way he pleased. Uh, God, uh, God is life, and his very name means life, and he sustains those who belong uh, to him uh, uh, and are being used in his purposes. And, he, and, and as I said, I, I may die in an accident. I won't die accidentally because God's going to leave me here till he's through with me. And when he's through, I'll be gone. My dad lived 53 years. Some people say, well, he died prematurely. Well, humanly speaking, that's true. He was very well known in the state of Arkansas. Uh, he probably would uh, had been talked about being named president of the convention, that next convention. Um, highly respected. Um, he uh, thought he had a lot ahead of him, but he died. And I don't believe he died Prematurely, I think he died right on time. God said, thank you. Come on. Uh, I'm going to take you home. That's a glorious day. My grandfather's uh, generation called funeral services coronation services. Now, that means it's a celebration. I had a black friend told me one day, he said, we just had a funeral, said it was the saddest celebration we've ever had. <laughs> Well, that's what it is for a believer. Believer, it's a sad celebration. We grieve, but not without hope, because Christ has taken care of that. And God, God will respond. Sometimes he responds. I, there is no way. Uh, God's not the 
you know, you know, lives to do us favors. God has a plan, and I don't understand all God's plan. Uh, but God knows what he's doing. Amen. And even though we can't sometimes understand what he does, uh, we can't understand his ways, we can trust his heart. We know that he's got, he wants what's best for us. And uh, we can know that. And, uh, and so uh, Hezekiah's uh, response uh, that, uh, that he, he made was to weep bitterly, which, which speaks of repentance, and to ask God to extend his time on earth. Uh, it, you know, it just reminds us what a difference Christ makes. What a difference Christ makes. The risen Savior broke the chain of death against the marble wall of a sepulcher, and he emerged as Christ, the victor over the grave and over death. And that still stands having been done. Christ banished death when he was present. The daughter of Jairus had been dead for minutes. He raised her from the dead. The son of the widow of Nain had been dead for hours. He raised him from the dead. Lazarus had been dead for four days. He raised him from the dead. He never attended a funeral. He didn't break up. <laughs> raised the dead. He is always the resurrection life. Now, Hezekiah did, didn't have advantage of, of knowing about the cross and, and all the New Testament theology and all the things that we know. But he believed God. And uh, we, we live in the light of an open and empty tomb. That's why death is not the last word. Death is not something to fear. The very worst that death can do for the believer is to tear down this old body, which if you live long enough like I have, it's starting to fall apart anyway. It'll tear down this old body and usher you into the presence of God. That's a win-win. That's what Christ does. That's the difference that he makes. The living Christ gives us life and time in abundance and mercy. And that, that is a, an incredible thing, that uh, Jesus has paid the price for our sins. Uh, we grieve at death of those we love because we love them. If we didn't love them, we would have no interest in grieving. Uh, Without Christ, there is no hope. With Christ, we know that there's a new beginning coming down the way. Now, as I said a few moments ago, the, uh, uh, the Lord has responded to Hezekiah in a way that all of us need to be aware of. He, he has responded and given more, more years to Hezekiah. Now, Hezekiah lived 15 more years. He, he did not use those years well. There is a warning here. It's a warning that uh, is very, uh, very sad. Uh, in chapter 39, uh, in uh, uh, my scripture, it says the, uh, Hezekiah's folly. Hezekiah did not do some things that he ought to have done in those 15 years. So just living longer may not make you better, 
I'll put it this way. You never drift anywhere worth going. You go. You follow the Lord. You obey the Lord. And so Hezekiah did not really do well during those 15 years. He, he, he did uh, spark a, a great revival in the, in the nation, but uh, he, uh, he, he made one huge mistake. The 39th chapter of Isaiah tells us about this. When he got well, the king of Babylon sent his son and an entourage to congratulate him for have surviving his illness. And while they were there, they asked if they could see all the treasures of the nation. And he showed all of them to the king of Babylon's son and that entourage. As soon as they left, Isaiah shows up again. He says, what was that group here for? Well, they came to celebrate the fact that I got well. What did you show them, Isaiah asked. Oh, he said, I showed them everything. I showed them all the treasures in the temple and all the treasures in, in all of our uh, vaults and, and uh, safe places of security. So I showed it all to them. And Isaiah said, all that you have shown to the son of Babylon and the entourage will be taken to Babylon. You will see the city destroyed, and all of this will go to Babylon. Now, that's, that's pretty bad news. That uh, gets pretty close to them telling him he's about to die. But notice what Hezekiah said in chapter 39, verse 8. Then, after he heard this, then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. For he thought there will be peace and security during my lifetime. During my lifetime. The mistake he made was he didn't prepare the nation for the future. His son Manasseh was the wickedest king that uh, Judah ever had. Hezekiah did not pass on his faithfulness, his commitment, his devotion to his own son. And the reason was he had no interest in preparing the nation for the future, only for time he was alive. Now, let, let me just apply that to us. Some of us in here, if my, if my life was a football game, I'm in the two-minute drill. It's been a long time. But every one of us needs to understand that if we do not invest in the young people that are now here, there will be no church tomorrow. Amen. You say, well, I don't like this. Well, who cares what you like? It's not about you. You think the preacher exists to make you feel comfortable? No, he exists to tell you what God said and to challenge you to apply it to your life and to live the way the Bible says you ought to live and to love the Lord more than you love him. And if you're not saved, to, to hear the wonderful story of God's grace given to us through Jesus Christ. That's, that has to be passed on. 
And it won't be done by osmosis. You're not just going to rub it on and it'll soak in. No, no, it has to be communicated. It has to be passed on. Now, we, we, we have, you know, we, we have, we've been having in the last 40, 50 years what we call worship wars. And it's typically between contemporary music and uh, traditional music, old-fashioned music. Listen, I don't like some of the traditional music or some of the, uh, the modern music, but I've learned to appreciate it. My grandkids love it, and my great-grandkids love it. Would I destroy their faith because I don't like something they, they like? What a foolish mistake. That was the mistake Hezekiah made. He did not look past his own life. He said, that catastrophe in Babylon, that, that'll be great because it won't happen in my lifetime. Well, I tell you, the world's going to hell in the handbasket today, and it, it looks like it's going to be any time when it's going to collapse. But, uh, you know, at my age, not going to bother me. I'm not going to live long enough to see the, what's headed. We can all say that, but we need to be concerned to share the gospel because it will live on. The same gospel that uh, Jesus presented, the same gospel that Paul preached, same gospel my grandfather preached, my father preached, is still the gospel today. And it, it is effective today as it ever has been. It will save your life. It will save your soul. It will secure your place in heaven. But more than that, it will give you the best guidelines for living in this earth. Amen. Being the way the Bible, living the way the Bible tells us to live is the best way to live. Our, our constitution and our, our, our laws are, are largely based on the Ten Commandments. They, they are. And that's the best way to live. We're not smarter than God. Hezekiah thought he, he you know, he, he thought everything was great, but Isaiah, Isaiah said, God said, you're not going to live. You're not going to make it. Oh, God, save me. Spare me. Give me some more time. He did. And he didn't use it wisely. And he foolishly let his son grow up without the same faith, the same devotion, the same faithfulness that he had demonstrated in his life. And Manasseh destroyed everything that Hezekiah had done to please God because Hezekiah didn't realize that when God blesses you with life and opportunity, invest it well. Amen. Invest it for the future. It's not about us. It's gospel's about him. And, and we need to focus on that. And we need to pass that on. Uh, it's proper for us to pray that God would give us more time. He may or may not. But it's okay to do that. And he may give you more time. Just be sure you use that time wisely. Amen. He appealed to God on the basis of his faithfulness to God. He appealed to God on the basis of God's faithfulness to him. And you can do the same thing. Uh, you can pray a simple prayer, and you can uh, not mince words. It can be done in 21 words. And just say, Lord, remember, 
how I have walked before you faithfully and wholeheartedly and done what is right in your sight. It's a good prayer. Asking you to pray it today. Bow your heads with me if you would. Father, thank you so much for your love, your grace. God, don't let us waste time that you give to us. Every day is a gift. And I pray, Father, that you will guide us to the wise use of every day that you give to us. And may our prayer be, Lord, remember, based upon how I've lived, based upon your grace gifts to me, I've done what is pleasing in your sight. Remember, may we be able to ask you that. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.